0: This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Well, it's great to see you whether you're here live or online. We are glad that you are joining us today. Hey, to kick off our Christmas Series, anybody have a favorite Christmas song you'd like to share with me? Anyone have a favorite Christmas song? Raise a hand, I'll call, anybody? Nobody likes Christmas. Yes, you and the, the gray, uh, yes, you. The, well, you is fine now. Jingle Bell Rock, what about you in the gray sweatshirt? Away in a Manger, super good one. Someone over there? That is classic, that got mentioned. That got mentioned last, uh, last service. That's a good hit. Yes. Uh, Do you hear what I hear? A star. Yes. yes. Little drummer boy. A rump a pum pum Yes. Merry Christmas, darling. All right. Yeah, now you're actually a singer. Is that one of your favorites to sing? Do you want to sing it right now? This is not planned. We're just kind of, we're just going with this here. All right. One of my favorite Christmas songs is uh, Oh. Holy Night, and uh, this uh, um, year's Christmas series is actually from a line in that song. Let me look at these lyrics here. Oh, Holy Night, this, let me have just a quick survey. Do you prefer Oh, Holy Night or Silent Night as your favorite Christmas Eve wrap up? Oh, Holy Night, raise your hand. All right, hands down, Silent Night, raise your hand. The church might split over this issue. All right, and so, uh, <laughs> Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Here's the key line: "A thrill of hope: The weary world rejoices." So're recalling this series this year, uh, uh, "The Weary World. Rejoices, In the next few weeks, we're going to talk specifically about how we can rejoice because of Christmas. We're going to look at up close at the Christmas story, talking about the incredible joy that we have simply because of what Christmas means. Um, But today, I I just want us to look a little bit about what is this whole thing about being weary? What is weariness all about? And I wanna look to give you some good news if you're feeling weary um, just from the Bible, not specifically from the Christmas story. We'll get into that next week and the following weeks. But talking about weariness, I wanna give you some good news for the weary. If you have your, um, let me. what does it mean to be weary? Throw that definition of, of weary up there. Weary, one definition is it means to be exhausted in strength, endurance, vigor, or freshness. Second one, having one's patience, tolerance, or pleasure exhausted. And and this whole weariness thing, part of it's simply a part of the human condition. If you have your Bibles, go over to John chapter 4. John chapter four, some weariness is just part of being human. We see in John four, it's the story of the Jesus and the a woman at the well, Jesus has been traveling some distance and it says, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, sat down by, beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So we see Jesus got weary, so part, some weariness can just be describing physical exhaustion, you've been working hard all day, you've been doing a ton of exercise, you've been exerting yourself, and there's there's just sort of a physical exhaustion. And that's what we see here with Jesus. Jesus was wearied from his journey, he was tired. And so there's a level of of weariness, which is just talking about physical exhaustion. All of us experience that. If you work hard, if you, if you stay up late, all of us have those moments where we're just physically exhausted, this weary thing. But there's another level of weariness which is what I would call spiritual or emotional weariness, where, where you kind of reach to a, a point where you just feel like you're running on empty. You ever been there? You might, sometimes in our culture, we might describe that as, man, I'm feeling burned out. That moment where you feel like, hey, I can't, if everything keeps going okay, I'm gonna be okay, but, but if one more thing comes on me, I don't know if I can take it. Have you ever felt like that? Where you don't wonder if you can take much more. It could manifest as like feeling like this deep tiredness where even if you have a great nap and three great nights sleep in a row, you're still kind of have this inner exhaustion. Sometimes it it begins to look like what we would call depression or anxiety. It's this kind of internal kind of this this feeling of I'm not quite 100%. There's a weariness that I'm feeling on the inside. And and I I think there's this thing that I wanna talk about a little bit of what I would call kind of a, a collective cultural weariness, whereas sometimes the weariness we're experiencing is simply related to kind of what what I've got going on personally, which might be very different from what you've got going on personally. But but then there's sometimes, I think, where where a lot of us are going through something similar together, and there can be this collective cultural weariness, just where where we're just feeling a little drained on the inside. And I, I would say that at least over the last 10 years, I think there's been this, whether it is from all the weird political polarization or the rise of kind of the 24-hour news cycle giving us constant streams of bad news, whether it's social media and all of its effects, I think there's been this rise of what I would see as this kind of emotional or spiritual weariness. But I think over the last year and a half, that, that it's gone to this whole new level for, for so many of us. And the data supports this. There was a study out of, out of Boston University, other slide, the little, little front page slide, there was a, Boston University put this out. Depression rates in the U.S. tripled when the pandemic first hit. Now, they're even worse. Let me show this to you. Depression among adults, 2019, kind of a baseline. Kind of just where, kind of things were before everything got weird a year and a half ago. Uh, 2019, uh, about eight and a half percent of uh, United States Americans reported some feeling of symptoms of depression. And then a few months into the pandemic, that tripled, which makes total sense. What I found shocking was that this last summer when we went up, I don't know about you, but I kind of thought we were like kind of home free in a lot of ways before Delta variant, and we hadn't even heard of Omicron. And, and, and there was, but still this last summer, that we were up to one in three Americans, four times as much as we saw before, uh, back in 2019, one in three Americans saying, I've got some symptoms of depression. I've got some emotional weariness. I, I, all of this, everything going on, I'm beginning to feel like it's more than I can take. And, and, and it's the same among teenagers. Let me show this to you. Depression anxiety among teens has doubled since 2019. Analyses revealed that the prevalence rates were higher when collected later in the pandemic. So so the the rates that they saw that six months into the pandemic were lower than than 12 months in, which were lower than 18 months in. There's this continuing rise among teens. Any of you have teenagers and you've just thought, it feels harder to parent you lately. Anyone have some of that? We got two teenage daughters. There's moments, and they love it when I talk about them. I'm like this in church, I'm gonna have to. hope. Are they in this service? Thank God, they're in the other one. I'm all good. All right, don't tell them. And so you're like, hey, you know, the teenagers are the reason some animals eat their young, you know. And so uh, it's, uh, but it's, they're saying it keeps getting harder later in the pandemic. The older adolescents, those 16, 17 year olds, are feeling it more than those 13, 14 year olds, and the girls are feeling it more profoundly. Than boys. In fact, there's a crazy stat talking about how there's been a rise in emergency room visits among teenagers with, on suicide attempts. And there's been a rise among boys and girls, but it's, it's risen exponentially more in girls than in boys. And, and so we're in this moment of what I would call this collective cultural weariness. And so when that line in O Holy Night where it says, the weary world rejoices. It's talking about this weary world that we're living in. But the good news is the Bible, and I want to share with you three pieces of good news for the weary from the Bible. Here's the first. When the weary hope in God, he gives us strength. Isaiah 40 verse 30 says, even youths go broke tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. If you're ever wondering if you are young or old, trip in a crowded area. If people laugh, you're still young. If everyone looks panicked and runs to help, you are old. The Bible says, even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so in those moments where you're like, man, I'm just feeling tired on the inside, more than, than the tiredness that gets fixed by a couple of good nights sleep, but I'm feeling this kind of deep exhaustion where I, I don't know if I can handle much more. It's a great cue to turn your hope to God, when the weary hope in God, he gives strength. He says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. And so the opposite is also true. When my hope is in something other than God, weariness will certainly follow. So weary, when I had those moments of that deep tiredness, it it could be mostly stuff outside of me, but maybe at least part of it's stuff going on inside of me. And so where am I placing my hope? And so in the last year and a half, we've learned that if you, you place your hope in the government, you're going to get weary. And if you place your hope in the latest news from the CDC and what they're saying, good news, bad news, good news, bad news, you're gonna grow weary. And if you're placing your hope in what they're saying about the economy, oh, inflation's going up, the stock market's up, and now it's down, you're going to, to grow weary. When I place my hope, and even in the best of families, if you place your full hope there, you're going to grow weary. But when I place my hope in God, he gives strength. Whatever else I place my hope in will disappoint. Your second thing. Jesus came to give the weary rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Now, the way it really reads is, is Jesus is pretty much assuming he's talking to everybody. He says, all you guys out there, I see that you're weary and heavy laden. I see that you're carrying a load bigger than you can carry. He said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is this yoke thing all talking about we have a little picture of a couple animals. A yoke is a, is a, is a horizontal wooden bar laid at the neck of two animals, kind of linking them up for the purpose of either plowing or pulling something heavy. And so this picture here is this, that, that Jesus is saying, I see that you're carrying a load that you can't bear. Let me help you with that. Have you ever been in a situation where maybe you're helping a friend move, they're helping you move. You've got like a super heavy dining table that you're moving. Not like the like light particle board stuff from Ashley Furniture, but you've got like solid, nothing wrong with Ashley Furniture. Half our furniture's from there. No shame. Oh, did I offend you with the furniture comment? There's no shame for that. I've got cheap furniture in my house. But, You're carrying this big, heavy dining table. It's solid stuff, and there's a person on each corner. There's four people carrying this. It's a four-person kind of table, and and, and you're carrying it, and you look over, and you see the guy on the other corner, and you're like, that guy looks about twice as strong as me. I'm going to go ahead and coast a little bit. I'm going to let him carry the heavy part. You ever had that moment, or have you ever been carrying that, and you are the stronger guy, you're like, I'm pretty sure that guy's doing little over there. Have you ever been there? Sort of this image here. Jesus is saying, "Hey, I see that you're carrying a load that's heavier than you were meant to carry." He's saying, "Hey, link up with me." This image of these two animals linked up. He's like, "And I want to carry the hard stuff." He's like, I, I, "Let me he says, I let me cast your your burden on." me. And so sometimes I can have this feeling like like the weight of what's going on in life is too much to bear. And, and, and so there's this thing where Jesus is saying, give me your burden, give me your weariness. But he's also saying that that you're going to give me this, but you're going to take something in return, that that we're going to take on this yoke with him. See, the, the Jews spoke sometimes of of the Torah, the law, as a yoke. It, it was this kind of symbol of submission to authority. See, if I am the smaller, weaker animal and I am yoked up with the bigger, stronger animal, I'm no longer kind of doing things on my own terms. I'm going where the the bigger, stronger is going. That's sort of this picture, this submission to authority, and so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's talking about recognizing that that I'm no longer going to live life on my own terms, doing my own thing, because I think that's freedom, but in reality, that's captivity. I think that's going to make my life easy, but Jesus is saying like, that's actually going to weigh you down, and, and so there's this picture. He says, take my yoke upon you. What he's saying is he's saying, live life on my my terms. Become my disciple. Let me teach you, and part of what he's talking about was this this idea of, of, see, people wanna come to God in their own terms. And what some people that looks like is they say, I just wanna do whatever I wanna do and I don't wanna feel restricted at all and I'm just gonna live for myself, live for pleasure, live for the moment. But what other people try to do is they say, I wanna to come to God but the way I wanna to come to God is by, by me being such a good person that has all these good religious externals but that I can just actually be good enough. So that's part of what Jesus is talking about. When, when you would follow a rabbi in this, in this culture and live kind of his way of life, you would talk about you're taking this rabbi's yoke upon you. And these rabbis in this time would have, they'd have the Old Testament law, but then they'd have all these add-ons and all these extra things that it would be really hard to even memorize it all, much less do it all. Nobody could do it. Peter talked about this. See what's happening in the early church is the, the apostles would go in and preach Jesus and then these other guys would come behind them and they'd say, hey, Jesus is great and that's awesome that he died for us but, but you have to do all this, all this other stuff, all these religious externals and rituals and so Peter says to them, he, he says this, in Acts fifteen ten, he, he says that you're taking on this yoke, he uses the same word, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. What he says is by you coming around and saying, hey, Jesus is great, but you have to also do all of this religious external stuff. He says, hey, our dads couldn't do that. Our forefathers couldn't do that. We haven't been able to do to, It's too much of a yoke to bear. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying you're going through life, you're carrying a weight that that you weren't meant to carry. You're living life on your own terms. Maybe that looks like you're trying to just keep all of these religious externals to be made right with God. It's a bigger weight than you can carry. He says, put this burden on me. See, Jesus took all of our burdens on the cross. He says, put this burden on me, live life my way in submission to me. And, And even though you you think that's gonna be harder. He says, in reality, it's the life you were meant to live. He says, my burden is easy and light. And he says, and then I will give you rest. Have you ever been in that moment where you hadn't slept good two or three days in a row and you think, I would do I would give anything to just sleep great for 10 hours? You ever have that moment? Where you're like, man, it feels like the older you get, the more sleep becomes like a rarity. Kind of once you start having kids, you never have a great night's sleep again in your life. Does that feel true? Amen, we got an amen on that. Wow, first amen of the message and it was about poor sleep because of children. It's good. I, uh, he says, I will give you rest. The word there means to refresh or revive as from labor or a long journey. We see this, uh, this theme of rest is in the Old Testament and sometimes it's, it's used to, to speak of blessing or of peace, or shalom, or wholeness, or of salvation. It's this Old Testament theme. And so Jesus is saying, you've got a burden you can't carry, you're weighted down. It's more than just a physical tiredness. You just kinda have this sense like you're just carrying a load that's too big for you. He says, give me that load, Live, live life on my terms. See, here's the truth. When I'm trying to live life on my own terms, weariness will certainly follow because we weren't made to live that way. So when I'm feeling weary, there's good news that when I I place my hope in God, he'll give me strength. When I come to Jesus on his terms, he will give me rest. Here's the third truth. Eternity motivates the weary to persevere in good works. Let me show this to you. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. Have you ever been trying to do the right thing? Trying to serve Jesus, trying to give your life away and service and generosity. You're trying to do the right stuff and you just reach a moment where you're just gonna get sick of it. We're like, I'm just feeling tired of doing the right thing. If you've never felt that way, you, you don't do the right thing enough. Um, because when Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good, he says that because it's a real problem. There's not a whole lot of stuff in the Bible that only applies to the 1%. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. The reason is because we all have those moments where we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to love that person that's not lovable. We're trying to to, to give our life away in service. We're trying to to, to really make a difference with our life, but we kind of get tired and we get weary and we're like, I don't know if it's worth it and I don't know if I can do it anymore and I sort of just wanna coast for the next 30 years in my life. And and so Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Why? Why? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He says, well, what, what, how do we stop being weary from doing the right thing? He's saying, consider eternity. He says, if you don't give up, you're gonna reap a harvest. He's talking about when Jesus comes back. He's talking about spiritual rewards. It's this big deal. And he says, so, so keep your focus on eternity. Don't give up. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. You know, that's why we're doing this thing to help these these people from coming in here from Afghanistan, people that were helping the U.S. government over there and then when Taliban took over, had to leave or otherwise be killed, lose everything. And and so they're here and we have this opportunity to do good to them. And and, and listen, after the service, as you leave, you go out to the right, take take a right there, and there'll be a table. If you're looking to do more than just contribute financially through our Christmas offering, maybe you have a spare room or a travel trailer that someone or a family could stay in, or maybe you have an extra car that you could give or let someone borrow for six months while they get on their feet. There'll be people that would love to talk to you about how you can persevere in doing good. And he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers and see so as we're trying to do the right thing love Jesus love people that are hard to love live lives of sacrificial service and generosity giving our lives away for the sake of the kingdom there'll be moments where we just get weary and we wonder if it's worth it and what Paul there says as he says focus on eternity do we have any big time runners here in this service any big time runners all right we got one any mid-time runners here Anyone comfortable with jogging to the fridge? Anybody like that? And so, uh, my body wasn't made for running. (laughs) Have you ever heard that phrase, eyes on the prize? There was this uh, study published in this journal, The Motivation and Emotion, that found that focusing on a stopping point in the distance like a building or tree can cause distances to appear shorter. This, in turn, encourages, encourages hooked on phonics work for me. This, in turn, encourages exercisers to move more quickly and reduces the feelings of exertion. Goes on to say, these findings indicate that narrowly focusing visual attention on a specific target like a building a few blocks ahead, rather than looking all around at your surroundings, makes that distance appear shorter, helps you walk or run faster, and also makes exercising seems, seem easier, said New York University psychology professor, Emelyn Balsitis, and, and it says this, this concept, I love this phrase, is known as, quote, attention narrowing. In their experiments, the researchers took participants to a park in New York in the summertime and positioned them in front of first a cooler filled with cold drinks and in a second experiment in front of a traffic cone. One set of subjects was told to focus solely on the cooler or cone in the distance. The others were told to look around at whatever they wanted to look at naturally. The others were told to look around as they naturally would. Keeping their eyes on the prize, it turned out, made a big difference. Those in the narrowed attention group, get this, perceived the cones to be 28% closer than those in the natural condition group that were looking around. In addition, those in the narrowed attention group walked around 23% faster than those that were looking around. Finally, those in the narrowed attention group required that the walk required less physical exertion than those in the natural condition group that we're looking all around. I love this whole idea of attention narrowing. That's really what Paul's saying. He's saying, do not grow weary in well-doing, for if we, do not give, if we persevere, if we do not give up, we will reap a harvest. Paul's saying, think, don't just think about the here and now. He's saying, focus on eternity. Focus on this reward that is coming. So here's the thing. We do good, we, we, we do good even when we're weary because we aren't living for right now. So here's the truth. If you live life primarily for right now, weariness will certainly follow. If the center of your universe is based on the next thing that the government says, or the CDC says, or the Fed says, or the next news out of the stock market, or the next thing that happens at your workplace, and all of these things, weariness will certainly follow. And so there's this great news. We live in a weary world. We're all going to have moments where weariness creeps in, but God says, place your hope in me, and I will give you strength. Jesus says, come to me, give me this burden you cannot carry, live life on my terms and I will give you rest. And then we persevere in doing the right thing even when weariness comes because we keep our focus on eternity. Let me pray for you. I don't know about you, but in the last year and a half, and I have definitely had moments Of just being weary with the season that we're in. Weary with all the different news and how certain situations change and how things that that ought to be easy have felt more difficult and just all of it. And I wonder if, even as we just begin this Christmas series, a weary world rejoices and these next few weeks just focus in on the joy we have because of Christmas. I wonder if for many of us it would be great even in this moment, just to tell God what he already knows. Just tell him, hey, I have had incredible moments of weariness. Maybe it's how you're feeling today. Maybe it's something you've felt on and off over the last year and a half. Maybe it even goes beyond that. But just to say, God, there's been moments where I've just felt very tired and not 100%, maybe a little burned out, maybe a little bit depressed, exhausted in a way that a good night's sleep doesn't fix. And there's power in telling God the things he already knows about us. And there's power in asking for his help. Maybe even ask him to, as when you feel those moments of weariness, let that be a cue to refocus your hope on him, not on all the stuff around. And when you feel moments of weariness and like life's too great of a burden, might that be a moment that, that, that you go to Jesus on his terms, giving him the burden you're carrying, taking his yoke of living under his authority on yourself. And he gives you this rest, this deep sense of rest and restoration. Or maybe you're in a moment where in spite of all the weirdness in the last year and a half, you, you've been still trying to do the right stuff. Be faithful to live a life of following Jesus and serving him and giving your life away. Loving people that are hard to love and maybe you're at that moment where you're like, man, is it even worth it? And I'm just sick of this and tired. And maybe you'd ask God, say, God, would you, would you help me in those moments to narrow my attention off of everything in the here and now? And on to that moment when when my faith becomes sight, I leave this life and walk into the next to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Father, would you help us? Lord, would you help us in those moments of weariness for it to be a cue for us to turn to you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.